Welcome to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, and this is episode 80 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Thank you to everyone who subscribes and listens across the various platforms. We really do appreciate it. Got a hell of an episode for everyone today. To start it off, I'm going to be joined with the man, the myth, the legend, Big Dog. We're going to be talking about the Super Bowl, obviously the Bucks' big win over the Chiefs. Then we're also going to talk a little MLB. Big Dog just put up a, col- a column, actually, or a blog on thepineapplecouch.com, as he will be doing every week here for the MLB season, so you should go check that out, definitely. And we're also going to talk a little NBA. And then at the end of the pod, I am going to talk about everything that... <laughs> Oh, I have a confession. And then I also have, uh, at the end of the pod, I'm going to be going through WandaVision episodes one through five and giving everyone a little preview of what's to come. And we're going to be start doing this every week now because there's four weeks left. And uh, we'll try to replace football somehow. I don't think it will quite work, but we will try. Um, you heard him just a little bit ago. Let's talk to him right now. Andrew Radcliffe, Big Dog, how you doing, my friend? Thank you, Tampa Bay, for saving the sports here. Oh, L.A. Lakers won, you. L.A. Dodgers won. It was disgusting. Tom, thank you. You got seven, your goat. Thank you. Yeah, and um, it, there's nothing like a Super Bowl where you bet on three things, and they all hit. Bucks money line, Bucks plus three, Brady, Brady MVP. MVP. Let's go. Let I mean, it, it, that was awesome. Thirty-one to nine win by the Bucks. Uh, Brady really just dominates in the first half. Yeah, he has two hundred yards, three touchdowns overall in the game. And the reason that the yards are so low is because he didn't have to do squat. Basically, in the second half, a dominant game by the Bucks defense. Gronk cashes in with two touchdowns in the Super Bowl just because he's fucking Gronk, and that's what him and Brady do. Um, and then the Brady gets the MVP, obviously, but one of the – I mean, the guy who probably, outside of Brady, had the best game, maybe even more than Brady, was Devin White on the defensive end for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Eight tackles, four assist tackles, a pick, and two tackles for a loss. The dude was everywhere. The Tampa Bay defense – this playoff run has been incredible. They take out the Washington football team. Then they go through the Saints with Drew Brees. They go through Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And they trounce Patrick Patty Mahomes. Mahomes and the Chiefs. This is the first time the Chiefs have scored under 10 points and no touchdowns, I believe, in the history of Patrick Mahomes playing for them. Um, and let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I loved every freaking second of it 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 was it was amazing big dog it's nice because tom brady always plays close super bowls and then the seventh one was so easy for him there was no i mean you was over at halftime i'm pretty sure so they won by 31 to yeah yeah they won by 22 and i think i could be i think i might be one or two points off on this but all of brady's previous six super bowls if you added up the point differential was at like 29 there you go. So it's nice, you know, your seventh one, your 43, finally. A nice, easy win. Mm-hmm. I, I guess for Pat Mahomes, like the one thing he could say, he had two offensive tackles out. And so obviously, and they were pressured, I think, 29 times. He had QB hurry, which is the most in mm-hmm. Super Bowl history. But come on, that's not the reason why um, they lost. Andrew, can I also take a, a moment to pat myself on the back? Um at the beginning of the season, I said the Bucks would win the Super Bowl. And I predicted. Oh, you're two for two at this, aren't you? That's good. That's before really- the playoffs. I predicted Bucks Chiefs. Bucks win. I'm, oh, it's two for two. 
that 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 feels good and i mean honestly it's like stealing candy from a baby big dog because how did only two nfl teams last summer when tom brady was a free agent reach out to him it was the only the fucking chargers and obviously the buccaneers brady wanted to go to san francisco and they weren't interested only two teams reached out that is one of the stupidest things in the history of sports I, I just don't get it. I mean, there's nothing else to say. I just th- I think he's going to be there at least two more times. He's going to I, do it till he's. I believe anything he says now. If I said over now. under one and a half, because the thing is, if I said over under a half, like you would take, he's going to win. Oh, I'll take it over. Let's get one more. And the fact that you're listening about one and a half, dude, this dude could play for like five more years. He looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And then Gronk can just take half the year off, come join him. I mean, they've got there's, this there's all a whole figured art- out. Yeah, dude, there's a whole article today, too, about how Bruce Arians, like, throughout the season, like, he would give Brady and Gronk just days off. and be like, no, like, take a day off. Like, Gronk, I don't care about how you are on Thursday. I want you on Sunday. And so and- Bruce Arians, uh, kind of, like, up and down in the beginning of the season with some of the weird quotes he says, but it all seems like, you know, when you win a Super Bowl, all those problems go away. The Bucks. You remember Bruce Arians was very critical of Tom Brady earlier in this year, and hey, winning changes everything, doesn't it? it look where they are. It's uh, it, it, uh, I guess we should mention a couple things about the Chiefs in this game before we just completely just talk about how Tom Brady is the greatest athlete in the history of the world. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, a tough game for uh, him. I mean... He just had absolutely no time in the pocket. 26 of 49, 270 yards, two interceptions. He almost made three of the craziest throws I've ever seen. And the Chiefs receivers actually really let him down in this game. But uh, And there's also a lot of talk about the refs in the first half, where there's like a one or two plays where it's like, okay, but I think, Andrew, we can agree on this. The, the Bucks dominated that game. Was, you could just tell. They had the it energy. Was, it was everything. They were ready to go. And also another thing, how awesome was it when Tom Brady was talking shit to Honey Badger? That was Basically, the greatest thing ever that he, he comes says, right I'm after I'm going to go after you, scores on him, and then to- tells him. And then goes running right him. back up to And then the he's, next day, Tom apologized, apparently. Because yeah, he's, he's the greatest guy of all time. Let's just, I'm going to read you a couple, or I'm going to read you some of Tom Brady's accomplishments. Let's just okay. like, this dude's the GOAT. I'm telling everyone right now, I always was like, I've always thought Brady, or for like the last four or five years, thought Brady was the GOAT in terms of football. He's eclipsed Jordan for me. Let's just go through some stuff. Tom Brady's been to, uh, he's won 18 division, or he's been to 18 division title games, most of all time. He's been to the most playoff game. he's started the most playoff games of all time. He has the most playoff wins of all time. The most playoff touchdown passes of all time. The most playoff passing yards of all time. The most Super Bowl MVPs of all time. The most Super Bowl touchdown passes of all time. The most Super Bowl passing yards of, of all time by far. Most passing touchdowns ever. Tied for most Pro Bowls. I bet you he makes one next year. More Super Bowl wins than any franchise. Tom Brady Dude, that's himself the one that really has hits. more Super Bowl wins than any single NFL franchise. Like that really hits. It's more than the Steelers. I mean, think about that. It's more than the Patriots. It's unbelievable. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl wins than 18 NFL franchises combined. Chargers on that list? Yeah, they are, Andrew. I know. He has the most passing yards in a single Super Bowl game with 505, and he also has the second most. 
He has the most regular season wins of all times. He's the all-time leader in yards, wins, and touchdowns. He has been in 18% of Super Bowls. And he has won around 125 to 13% of all Super Bowls Tom Brady has won. He is the only modern athlete that you can compare to like the 20s through like 60s Yankees of like the Ruth, the Joe DiMaggio, the Yogi Berra, the Mickey Mantle, the Bill Russell of the 60s Celtics. He's the only modern athlete who you can like, because you like sometimes you look at stuff like, for example, Bill Russell and all his like uh, championships and it's just like, oh, well, that'll never happen again. Brady has gotten into that category. He is, it's, it's just hard to put into words. He's the greatest of all time. He's he the and I if think, anything, like, he's perfect. He's the ultimate competitor. I mean, Tom Brady, like, he's on a different planet. We're sitting here, and he's just, and I'm like, I'm like, all I don't even know what to fucking say, big dog. He's like, that's why I'm at because it's just like I, I'm still it's lost for words. He's so good, and he's 43. And he looks like he's just getting better and better. And right now, the NFL put out, I think, power rankings. The Bucks are at four next year. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Andrew, if I could have any QB going into the NFL season next year, I think it's a conversation. Would you rather have Mahomes or Brady? Because it's like, oh, well, Brady's just going to win. He's just gonna win. He doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to outplay or anything. It's just the Seven whole aura. It's just everything he brings. Seven Super Bowls. So to go off this, this because I'm gonna stand up for Pat Mahomes a little bit here. Because how many headlines did you see? Is like, oh my god, does this crush Patrick Mahomes' legacy? No, well, it does not. To do with it. And, and that's, when that's I, the stupidest thing of all time. This is all Brady. It's not Mahomes. Like for, to his credit, had no time in the pocket, and his receivers dropped multiple balls. Like that, that loss was not on Mahomes by any stretch. Patrick Mahomes is 25 years old. Patrick Mahomes has lost three games in the last two years, or like the, his last three games that he's lost. Not um, he lost. What I meant is like the elimination game. So he got eliminated oh, by yeah. Brady, and then his mm-hmm. other time he got eliminated was Brady in the AFC Championship. How wait, really quick to but in, they're how like twenty five and two or something. No, yeah, but how classic was that? Like offsides on like the field goal. Oh my god, early in that game, the <laughs> first or second quarter last time. Um, Andrew Antonio Brown is an NFL champion. Super Antonio Bowl Brown, champion. I didn't hear one story about him for like. 12 weeks after two or three years of always being that, in that headline. That's a good thing, right? It's a great thing. It's just that nobody can do that. Nobody can make him be quiet. He couldn't control himself. He couldn't help himself, and Tom Brady could help him more than himself. We're never going to see something like Tom Brady again. He's... I mean, we're, I, we'll wrap up I mean, this segment. The Bucks, hell of a year. Tom Brady is the GOAT. And as far as I'm concerned, hey, if you want to say you're better than Brady, good luck for the He'll future. He'll beat you. I, I don't like. I just don't know how. Like and like the arguments of like, oh, Mahomes will never be better than Brady now because he lost to him. That's ridiculous. First of all, that's ridiculous. You can't put that on Mahomes, but also at the same time, just c- completely don't even think about Patrick Mahomes. 
Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. It's going to be impossible for anyone to be better than him, like with the the Remember, bar he has set. I mean, this is like your Jeff loves Joe Montana, and that was always oh Joe Montana's fault. He's and he's right, but yeah, but this is he's almost, he's trying to double it now, Brian. I like, know it's in crazy. Six seven years, he's going to double Montana's record. And, and Andrew, just to uh, to give Jeff a little credit, who is Tom Brady's favorite quarterback of all time? Mr. Joe Montana himself. It is Mr. Joe Montana. I think a young Tom Great Brady minds. was at the catch at game. The, at the catch game, yeah. Doesn't Chris Berman like constantly say that? Or is that part of my take that makes fun of that? It's probably both. But um He was there in the stands. Yeah. Uh really quickly on uh before we go into the MLB, I wanted to touch on this for any of our listeners who are fellow barstool consumers as Mr. Dog and I are here. A little rough and rowdy action last uh Friday oh my night. God. Billy football freaking sunned Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco looked like a little bitch that just took a dive to get his payday. And I think you know that's what? exactly what he did. That's exactly what it happened. Is. But Billy came at him at 250 miles per hour, and that was fucking awesome. So kudos to Billy. I think he's been drunk since he's not he put Canseco on the ground. But Canseco's a, a, a crazy dumbass. Like, yeah, I know insane. we all knew that, but, like, like a, two days or so after he gets knocked out, he, like, tweets at Portnoy, like, You're hey, weak. Portnoy, stop chir- chirping me and handle your crumbling business. It's like, bro, it is, you realize, like, Barstool has almost valued at, like, a million or a billion dollars? Like, right now, he's got $37 million from strangers just donating to him. I mean, yeah, they're, they're the doing just fine. Just, they're so. doing fine, so... Um, the point of that was uh, Jose can say goes a little bitch, and uh, shout out to Billy Football, and we look forward to the next rough and rowdy because Andrew, I don't know if you saw today, uh, Darren Ravel and PFT. I did see that. They might fight in rough and rowdy, and Darren Ravel thinks he's like a heavy favorite, and I think PFT is going to kick the shit out of him. There's a video of Darren Ravel playing Big Cat in basketball, and Big Cat beats him eleven to nothing, and blocks him every time. Darren Ravel just also just like. We'll put aside the fact that Big Cat and PFT are dope. Darvell's such a little bitch. He's like the type of guy who, like, when the people get rescued from, like, a mine that collapses and they come out wearing Oakley sunglasses, he's like, oh, those were Oakleys. You, I wonder how that's going to affect the stock price. Dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, um, we'll put that rant aside, big dog. Uh, your three things this week. Again, you can check out Andrew's MLB columns on thepineapplecouch.com um, as well as uh, all our podcast content. And then I promise I'm going to be uh, putting some blogs up there. I've actually started, though. Uh, I'm putting out at Rob Stark on Twitter. Follow me. Putting out daily NBA bets, 1-0 so far. Undefeated, haven't lost a single game. So I don't know how you could argue with that. So you can check that out on Twitter as well. But Big Dog, let's go into the MLB. You had an article today. Let's touch on the first thing you mentioned, which is uh, it sucks. It sucks. This is, you're about to tell the listeners and me. If the listeners don't know this, I'm sorry. This sucks what Andrew's about to tell us. Andrew, what happened? So over the past week, weekend, on Friday, Trevor Bauer, the rating Cy Young winner that many thought would go to the Angels, maybe the Mets. I mean, he's doing this thing on his website, signing – Mets hat and Dodger yeah. hats, giving it away. He ended up apologizing, and it's kind of funny because it's Trevor Bauer. Um, he really just meant because he likes to engage with fans. I don't think he was actually being a troll there. But mm. it's so weird how, like, 
Trevor Bauer just tries to engage with fans and how weird the MLB, like, just how, like, fucking weird the MLB is to, like... They get so, Trevor like, Bauer jealous just, and just, offended. He has to do so many, like, weird things to interact because the MLB is so stupid. Sorry, just keep going. It, the MLB gets offended because he's like, why are you doing it? You're promoting the game better than we can, and we don't like that. Anyways, the Cy Young winner is going to the freaking Dodgers. The Dodgers... If they weren't the favorite already, if they weren't a mile ahead, they are two and a half miles ahead of everyone now. So let's just go through the rotation real quick here. You got the best pitcher in the game, I think, Walker Bueller. He's twenty two. He's like twenty four. They'll be able to resign. They always the Dodgers are like the Warriors. They have everything and every contract figured out. Bauer's only a three year deal. I guarantee he comes off arbitration in three years. Walker Bueller. There's something they are always ahead of the game. They still haven't signed Bellinger yet. They still haven't signed Seager. They will figure it out. Um, so after Walker Bueller, we're going to go with Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, we know that guy. Then we're going to go with Trevor Bauer, the reigning Cy Young winner. Mm-hmm. That after was the best year of his career last year, though. Oh, I right. am. It was the NL Central. Isn't good. He's a career like 3.839 pitcher. He's very good. I don't think he's that good. But mm-hmm. last year he did say like, hey, I'm going to use pine tar the whatever sticky substance it is and it's like if they don't care i'm gonna do it and he wants i young so that lets you know how much illegal substances work so then after trevor bauer we got julio urias who might be their number four or they might be like hey remember the cy young winner from a couple years ago david price that didn't even pitch for us last year and we still easily won the world series besides the nlcs was like a little problem right there then they have the redhead Justin May, who has like a 103-mile-per-hour sinker, and it's like an impossible pitch to hit. They've got seven or eight pitchers. They are the class. They're the best baseball team I have ever seen, Brian, and I hate that. They're the best baseball team I've ever seen. Um, Andrew, but the hungry dog runs faster. The hungry dog runs faster. Tell us about that For my deflated Padre fans here, the hungry dog always runs faster. Always runs faster. Hungry people, they'll do stupid, crazy, whack shit that the the Dodgers have been full, if you will, the past three or four years. They finally got the World Series. They've been making World Series. They've had good run. The Padres have been waiting forever. Not that good. (laughs) Man, last year, does it really count last year? Just throwing that in there. I I, I throw an asterisk next to it. It's definitely an asterisk, especially with the NBA one too. Just saying, yeah. Football, LA, though, LA sports, good. yeah. No. Tampa one, the LA sports, no. Um, but this really has the potential. Baseball fans are saying, "Oh yeah, this could be like the Red Sox and Yankees, Red Sox Yankees rivalry," and it can be. I just have to see the Padres beat the Dodgers before that to happen because mm-hmm. it sucks. It's been twenty. I've never seen them actually win, and they haven't done anything in my entire life. And I'm not speaking for a two-year-old self when they made the World Series when I was eight. Hungry Dog always runs faster. Second thing, the MLB finally came to an agreement. So we got a seven-inning doubleheaders. This I feel is like, such bullshit, this entire thing, but just go ahead. This is so dumb. Like, the seven-inning doubleheaders, like, I feel like it's just irrelevant to have because I feel like doubleheaders are so rare when they happen. I guess COVID, it makes it more likely to happen. But it's just like... Bro, it's four more innings. Like, I know, I get it, but come on. Um, The runner on second in the playoff, this is the most video game baseball simulated feeling. I hate it. It's like, hey, do you want us to walk this guy? Because we're going to do that. Exactly. Uh, I will say, like, I always watch it because it was entertaining, but I just 
doesn't feel right for traditional anyway, baseball. Though. And I exactly, I would have watched we're it watching, anyway. We're watching extra innings baseball, no matter what. That's how they because, fuck you. That's what they say. They're like, oh well, how great was watching it? Well, it's, and then you're like, oh yeah, it was pretty good. But then you gotta think. It's like, wait, normal extra innings is fine. Like <laughs> it's great, and it's the people that make it the first three hours to watch the tenth, eleventh, twelfth inning, they're staying. Yeah, <laughs> okay, like they will be there. I promise you, they're staying there. Here. Jesus. And then the next thing that I don't know how nobody wants this. I mean, we can do the seven inning double headers and a runner on second, but for something that has worked for over four decades in the American League, we're not going to have the DH. We're still just going to keep that out and let that be a part of the CBA agreement because it's all bargaining chip stuff. I think that's so annoying. It changes roster construction. It's boring as fuck to watch. I think it puts stupid strategy in the game. I mean, literally, why would the NL want to keep the DH? Because you can financial perspective. So if you want to keep. The NLDH. So right now, Nelson Cruz just signed. If I'm an owner, if I'm an owner in the NL, why am I not voting to get rid of the DH? If you're an owner, I mean, either way, you're going to pay for a heavy Trevor Bauer. If you're a good team, you're going to pay for someone good regardless. So it's either like the Dodgers went over the luxury cap and they're paying for Trevor Bauer, whatever. He's getting forty million. But for like, let's say for the Padres' sake, the Twins last last week they signed Nelson Cruz, who hits forty five home runs. Seems like every year. Wouldn't that just be nice to have the thought or the option just to be like, hey, maybe we bring in someone like that for a year who does 45 dingers and that's it. And we don't have to worry about that. You don't need to play defense. And then you can do the resting players, which is why they added the 26 roster spot anyways. And then it's like they have these new IL rules. It's just it's all stupid. And then the last two things, they have contract tracing and a mask enforcer. Contract tracing masks, right? I said it said contact, contact tracing, tracing devices. What's that devices? Mean? I don't even know what that means. So I'm assuming it's like an is Apple that LeBron's Watch idea. On you? Chairman James. Is that Chairman he, James? He has got a lot to in do China? with this. I'm sure. Him and Silver, they've been waiting for this one. And then there's going to be a mask enforcer. So I'd really like to see how that works in the clubhouse. Anyways, we're going to go to Pakoda, which is the third point here. What Pakoda is? When it's basically gonna, when you, last thing. When are you going to start getting fined for not double masking? That's my question. They're trying to find Tom Brady right now. <laughs> They're trying to get all those people in Tampa Bay. Put a middle finger out to him, Tom. <laughs> Fuck him. Go ahead, big dog. Um, but the last thing is Pakota. Basically, what Pakota is very nicely said, Brian, is Pakota. a computer Sorry. algorithm for and just projects what the season is. So it's basically the shredder if you watch the MLB Network and how they come with their top ten players. I found it hysterical. There's three teams I'm going over. It's going to be the Angels, Braves, Cardinals. Angels, they're projected 87 wins. That is the biggest joke Uh, of my life right here. So what's the one thing they didn't do this year, Brian? Or what's the one thing they've needed the past 12 years? Nine Uh, pitchers. Pitching. Pitching. they needed nine of them. So they get Iglesias, Russo Iglesias. They take away the Reds closer. He's good. Okay, that's good. You got someone... Who can close game, but you don't have a seventh, eighth, eighth guy, inning guy. Mm-hmm. You also bring in Jose Quintana, who hasn't been good since 2016. Alex Cobb hasn't been good since 2017. The reason they're on the team is because Joe Madden managed them, so he's bringing in all his boys. The same thing with Dexter Fowler, which is cool, and if you can make Tom it work. Tom Thibodeau-esque. <laughs> Thibodeau-esque, exactly. It's just, I mean, they tried this last year with Trevor Cahill, Matt Harvey. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. They really only have a chance because the, the Astros aren't as good. 
the AL West just kind of sucks in general this year. Springer going to get a fat bag that and get overpaid, do you think? He did get paid by the Blue Jays. They what? signed him. In the, yeah, it happened like a when week or two. When did that just happen? Like two weeks ago, a week ago. But Springer Wait. got Springer got the bag. George Springer is on the so Blue he's Jays. Gone. He's gone. He is no wow. longer an Astro. Breaking news to me here, folks. Breaking <laughs> It was great reaction. I was literally watching something yesterday, or I guess it was super old, about like, Oh, George Springer's going to get overpaid. And I was like, oh, I wonder how that's going to go. Well, he breaking is, news, he's on the Blue Jays. He's, in he's Canada. on the Blue Jays. Oh, Canada. All right, Big Doug, keep going. Um, Damn, Jesus. So the Astros, they don't have Justin Verlander this year. They don't have George Springer this year. Jose Altuve sucked last year. wonder why. Alex Bregman, not that great. You got Carlos Correa, okay. And, I mean, you still have a good offensive team pitching, question marks there. Um, for the A's, I feel like it just doesn't matter, and they'll find a way to get 87, 88 wins at least. They lost Chris Davis, they lost Mark Simeon, and then they lost their closer, Liam Hendricks. But it doesn't matter because the A's and Rays just continually sustaining themselves somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only way the Angels win is if those two teams suck because the Mariners suck, the Rangers suck, and they play the NL West and they can beat up on the Giants, Rockies. Easy, easy, easy. Second team. We're going to the Braves. They have Braves, the team that was up 3-1 to one in the National League Championship Series this year. They made the Dodgers sweat. It. They should have beat them. They choked. They ruined it. They ruined my weekend. But they've won the last three NL East, and they haven't projected fourth. And I, I just want to – I'm a little confused here, Brian. Help me out. Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the most exciting players, top player, MVP. Mm-hmm. John they, Robbins has his jersey. John Robbins has his jersey. There you go. Freddie Freeman, MVP last year. Oh, I think that's a good thing to have. Dansby Swanson's See, Andrew, good. Actually, let me let me butt in here because I found this article on the internet on the pineapplecouch.com. Oh, okay. It's, it's from Big Dog. And I, I, I liked what I saw in there. You basically, um, you're talking about how the Braves are cursed. A little bit. A little the bit. And then the Mets what, are what I thought was interesting the Mets are cursed. was that you compared the Phillies to the kind of like the angels in that article and the Phillies obviously what you think about is uh Bryce Harper Harper. you got Aaron Nola right that's what you're saying but like I want to just quickly buck butt in before we talk about the Braves the Phillies it seems like you're not too confident in them could you see them making a run this year though or is that completely out of the question I think the NL East is too good it's like the reason why I can't they won't make a bounce back here from the Nationals then I think I like the Nationals and Braves. I go Braves one, Nationals two. Why I like the Nationals two, I like Juan Soto. I like the big three pitching. They got the hangover Mm -hmm. year out of the way. They're ready to roll again. And they have Trey Turner. I mean, you got two legit offensive MVP Mm kind of guys. Um, The Mets, (laughs) drama follows them everywhere they go. Carlos Beltran gets hired. He has to be fired before a pitch is thrown. They're behind the Robin Hood shit, too, Steve Cohen. It's in the Robin Hood, so the owner might get fired before first pitch. See, they're full of drama. Um, of course, they got Lindor, they got Carrasco, they got DeGrom, and Alonzo, a couple guys, but I just won't see it till I see it. That's, you got to prove me wrong. really like strikes me as the NFC East. The NL East is pretty damn good. They're just very like competitive. I would say the NL East is one of the best divisions in baseball. But, but in, right now, but like I feel like, over the course of the last 20 years, even when it hasn't been good, these teams are over. Actually, no, I'm going to take that back completely. 
the NFC East is the AL East of just throwing it in your in terms of just throwing it in your face too much. Exactly. I'm not saying how the NFC East was bad this year, the AL East is bad. I'm just saying those two are, are the two like I feel just like the East, exactly. the divisions the that just market. get fucking shoved down your throat. Sorry to interrupt, Big Dog. Let's get back. We don't we don't we don't like the Mets here. So we, we don't like, like the, the Mets Braves. But we like we the Braves. Like the let's, get, let's get to the Cardinals. Cardinals. They have them, I believe projected like 80 wins under 500 to a team that made the playoffs in a shortened season last year they were the team dealt who had to deal with like the most covid stuff and schedule changes last year um had the marlins who randomly oh no that wrong division never mind keep going (laughs) but the cardinals like i just want to know what like what moves were the nl central making that made us think that hey the cardinals won't be you know, the Cubs are better this year. You know what the Cubs did? They gave away their ace to the Padres, Hugh Darvish. What did the Brewers do? Nothing. What did the Pirates Nothing. do? They're the worst team in baseball. Reds, you just lost your closer in Iglesias. You had one of the worst offenses, and Trevor Bauer is now a Dodger. Yeah, tough. The Cardinals added Nolan Arenado, MVP guy. And we're not That's even mentioning Jack Flaherty, move. who was projected to win Cy Young last year or a top three bet. Mm-hmm. And he'll get a full season well, this year. And another thing, Andrew, is like I wouldn't compare the Cardinals. Like you were mentioning earlier how like the Dodgers are kind of like the Warriors and they're a step ahead. Uh, the Spurs aren't that great right now, but for the last 20 years, they've always been relevant no matter what. I think the Cardinals deserve a comparison like that. They're, yes, they do. And they've extended it. Like you just mentioned all the shit that happened in the NL Central. Well, it's like the Cardinals are just going to be consummate pros and just be good. They're going to – if they're, they're – 80 wins is what you're putting out. I love the over on that. Was it 81, 82 you were it's saying? Like, like, Pakota hasn't won in 80, 81 games, and that is an absolute joke. I love that over. Over, take them to win the Central. They might go to the NLCS because I think how it would, would work, it would be Padres or Dodgers, probably the Dodgers, and then the Padres mm-hmm. would be the wild card to play the Dodgers because that's going to be the number one seed. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. Those are big dogs. Three things. It's been going All right. on baseball. Um, before we wrap up on baseball, I wanted to wish, uh, talk about a few things in the baseball. I wanted to say rest in peace to Pedro Gomez. Yeah, he's a, he, he was a reporter, baseball reporter. I he s- was the man. I still don't know what happened. I believe he had a, a, a late battle with cancer. Okay. Or was that that might have been someone recently died from NFL Network to wrestling or something? I don't know. That sure. sort of stuff is just uh, it just it sucks to see that. And I remember Pedro Gomez obviously famously was really involved with covering Barry Bonds and the Giants. And um, I don't know. When I think of him, it's he's like the old school ESPN. The the days he's part when of it that crew great. for sure. The prime time when Baseball Tonight was the best show on television. God, was so good. When you had Crook or uh, John Crook and um. Carl Ravitch, uh, Pedro Gomez was just uh, was always uh, a pleasure to see when he, yes, he would was. join Sports Center and stuff like that. So uh, thoughts and prayers to his family and rest in peace that he was a good dude and it sucks to see that. Um, other things uh, I wanted to wish um, uh, a Boston legend, a baseball legend, a consummate pro, one of the really like over the past 20 years, like if you're going to say who's like a, just a super genuine good dude in baseball, it seems like I would say that's Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, he retired a, a definite Hall of Fame career. 
I know a good friend of the program, Dustin Morgan, who does the intro song, is a big fan of him. So, uh, future Hall of Famer, no doubt, right, Big Doug? I would, I would say so, yeah. Or is it not? Am, are you not as confident as I am? In it? I think uh, he's a Hall of I mean, he'll get in because so many people get in now, and he's got like the rings, and so many people like him. I just don't know because I feel like he was hurt so much. So it's like I don't know how. I really don't know his career stats that well, but I know he's got an MVP and he's got a couple rings and he was yeah, the heart and, and soul seems... of Boston for a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, he retired and then uh, let's jump into the NBA, shall we, Andrew? Let's do it. I got two uh, two things on the NBA this week. Uh, I'm going to get Josh Bilker back on the program soon and we'll do a full NBA thing. We'll have Big Dog with us as well. We'll try and get a little Kyle Castaneda action as well. Maybe some Alex Kanner. Um I just want to talk quickly about Stephen Curry. I'm going to talk about two California teams tonight. I'm just going to talk about the Warriors. I'm going to talk about the Kings. Stephen Curry right now, the Warriors uh, won tonight. They are 13-12 and 12 now. Um, Curry had 32 points in three quarters, 16 in the third. Didn't really need to come in in the fourth. Um, let me just, Andrew, let, let's go through Curry's stats this year. 29.5 points per game, 6.1 assists, 5.5 rebounds, 4.9 three-pointers a game, shooting 48% uh, from the field, 43% from three, and 93.9% from the free throw line. He's getting 1.2 steals per game. Per defensive, defensive advanced mes- metrics, he's the fourth best defensive guard in the all in the entire NBA. That surprised of- me terms of the percentages of his opponent shooting against him um he's only playing 33 point minutes per game which i'll say that steve kerr needs to start pushing for wins a little not like i believe andrew the quote yesterday steve kerr said i'm not going to overplay steph to chase wins uh, just like, well that's that's what, are we what doing we want that? we are trying to win games in basketball it's, a, it's not a scrimmage um, anymore steve yeah but this is uh curry's legitimately like right at that unanimous MVP season the dude's putting on a fucking show he is you think um, it's better so far i don't i i okay. that seems impossible i think it's a little more impressive to be honest because the stats are the same and there's no clay yeah he's too because he's got to take so much more responsibility when you think about clay even if clay's not ball dominant it's just like with him being on the court, the defense has to shift towards him because he's automatic. And there's been a lot of up and downs in terms of the way the Warriors have been playing this year, uh, specifically Ubre. I mean, I, I got to give a quick shout out to Andrew Wiggins. It's just been absolutely incredible this year. Um, he's been great. Draymond missed some time. Wiseman's missing some time right now. And Curry's doing all of this and just he's there's been at least five or six Warriors games this year, if not more, where Curry literally just would put up like 40 something and they'd lose, but it would be like he scored half their points. So, um, the dude's putting on a fucking show. I believe he's ninth in MVP voting or not MVP voting, like the MVP power ranking on NBA.com, which is ridiculous. I guess they're punishing him for the 13 and 12 record, but I think Jokic is in first. And I love Jokic, <laughs> but they're like 12 and 10. Yeah. Like 12 and 12. <laughs> they're right there. So that's dumb. Um, I just, what I like about this big dog, I'll go to you is just, this is just a nice reminder to all the people who fucking like to talk shit on Steph, how fucking good he is. You could say, Oh, you would get, you had Durant, you had clay dude. The dude's just a fucking baller. Yeah. Cause I was kind of a part of that 
because when the Warriors were so good and it's just like you knew they were going to win, it's kind of like, oh, God damn it. But I've got that spark back again this year. They're really fun to watch. It's like, this is the little Steph Curry everyone fell in love to. He's smiling, dancing around, chucking up, I mean, doing his thing. But yeah. he's got the spark back. And I just, I really love, because I've always been a fan of Andrew Wiggins. No reason why he was just supposed to be really First good. First name? First name, that's it. It's Andrew. Love that name. That, and see, we just did a little like uh, psychoanalysis right there. We just found out why you. you like Andrew Wiggins. It took me seven years to figure that out. Dr. B-Rod. Appreciate that. But I really, I hope he does well. I like seeing that combo because I know Andrew Wiggins is a little more soft-spoken and Steph's the perfect leader mm-hmm. to do that for. Yeah, and the perfect fire to have under him is Draymond, I would say, as well. And Ubre started off, honestly, like... He was playing kind of like he was nervous, just going way too fast, and he's kind of settled in. The dude's an incredible defender, and on nights when he's on, he can be lethal offensively. Last thing on the NBA I want to talk about, Big Dog. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to the Sacramento Kings. They're 12-11. and 11. They've won eight of their last nine games. They are playing right now on Tuesday night as we record this. So uh, don't include that. I'm not including that game, obviously, but they've won eight of their last nine let me give you De'Aaron Fox's stats in the last 10 games, big dog. 26.7 points per game, 7.9 assists, 4.6 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and 38% from three on seven attempts per game. This dude's making a fucking all-star bid after a slow start for the Kings. Um, Andrew, I am buying on De'Aaron Fox as an all-star. And I'm buying maybe the Kings get this eight seed in the West. I I don't know how much Kings you've watched, but this l- recent stretch from De'Aaron Fox, I mean, if we're going to take the Memphis Grizzlies super seriously and John Morant of how great he is, I mean, I don't know if John Morant's ever gone on a stretch like we're seeing De'Aaron Fox go on right now. This is incredible, and I love to see it. I, I like the Kings this year. Who... Who'd you just mention the team? The other eight team? Oh, the Grizzlies. Oh, they're f- they have so many injuries too right now. Yeah, well, I I, I was just, I bring them up because the Grizzlies were in the running for the eight seed last year, and their best point, their best player is their point guard, John Morant, what? and De'Aaron Fox. If he's your best player with the Kings, you're getting good minutes out of, or good play, obviously out of Halliburton, the rookie. Buddy Heald showing some signs of life lately. Rashawn Holmes playing well. I think that they could actually. There's a chance the Kings get in the seven eight seed. I I, I like that. I think it's time for the Kings to get back at the playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of Pineapple Couch listeners, as well as uh, Christo and Kyle, would really like that. So we're hoping the best for the Kings there. Uh, I wanted to, uh, before we get to, I get to my WandaVision recap, I just wanted to wrap up with a, a confession for the listeners, uh, just something I've been meaning to get off my chest for the last uh, seven years, and I just figured there's no better uh, place to air it out than the Pineapple Couch. Um, my senior year. High school, Mission Viejo High School. I, Andrew, I think you can attest to this. A lot of people that uh, were super fucking annoying or not even annoying, just like really lame and kind of funny to look at in high school, they really cared about this dodgeball tournament. Wouldn't you say? It was the biggest event. It was bigger than the football team at Mission Viejo. Sorry, like, you need it to know. was, they would get in like skin tight, like matching The year costumes. before got canceled because someone got so mad and punched the wall and like dented like a fire door it was like the fire metal like this is how crazy people would get about it and so for a three minute dodgeball game keep that in mind somehow my senior year 
I was blessed with the opportunity to run the dodgeball tournament. And famously, uh, Andrew and I were on a team. We were called the Quitters. We made it to the finals, and we quit. And it was fucking hilarious. Not because just we quit. It was just it honestly was hilarious because of how pissed off it made everyone at the school. And I just I needed to get something off my chest because all this time it's like, well, you guys made it to the finals and then you quit. I just Andrew, I need to come out clean with this. I rigged the fucking shit out of that dodgeball tournament. Like I set I up every single matchup to fuck over the good teams. Mm-hmm. I arranged it so we would play our friends in the finals and quit against them. I matched us up against the girls' softball team. I'm sorry, I mean- Cheyenne. That <laughs> happened. <laughs> and just uh, I thought I'd get that off my chest. One of the I one mean- of my favorite memories from high school is like it, I can just confidently say that. Yeah, that thing that you guys were really annoying and competitive about, I just rigged it, like, as a little fuck you. (laughs) And so then the team that won, how satisfying was that the team quit on you to get that? Yeah, we quit. (laughs) I mean, it was literally, like, the teams we were playing were the Jets, were worse than the Jets. It was so... We played sophomores. We're seniors, and we're playing sophomores. Yeah, we're playing I gave, the it, guys, so folks, we were playing, like, the one seed in an NCAA tournament, but every <laughs> round we played the 16 seed, and it was like... But we were basically, like, a 14 nobody seed for questioned some reason it. that got given Sheep. the one seed. Not one person questioned it besides no me. No one questioned <laughs> and it. And I knew that. was like, how does this happen? With, with that whole thing, the only thing we got really in trouble for... No one to this day realized that I rigged it to get us there. We got in trouble for two things. Obviously, throwing the championship game in front of the entire school. And two, our name that I entered us in. I entered our name in and approved it through, like, whatever the people who were in charge, because I was in charge of the thing. Our name was Sonar Ballad. (laughs) Didn't work. If you change the words of that, it's Boner Use your imagination. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So that is the story of the quitters. The 2014 <laughs> runners-up in the Mission Viejo High School dodgeball tournament. Uh, Andrew, it was a pleasure to be on that squad with you. Um, champions. 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 What we want the champions. spirit of the school that year. I mean, the spirit of the just Diablo. True legends. P- people from high school probably think we're so fucking sick. <laughs> I better. I mean, I was such a fucking legend in high we school, didn't, bro. Like, I was such a fucking. We didn't legend. win that for no reason, man. God, man, we're just fucking around. Just Every Tuesday for like three weeks in a row, we'd go play a four-minute dodgeball game. Just fucking partying on school nights. Just hanging. Just hanging. Just hanging. All right, big dog. This has been uh, NBA, NFL, and MLB of episode 80. Uh, and also, uh, Tom Brady, you are the GOAT. I think Andrew and I agree on that wholeheartedly. Uh, stay tuned. I'm about to deep dive some WandaVision with for you folks so spoiler 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 alert if you're not caught up caught up on WandaVision pause it after this segment get caught up on WandaVision and then tune right back the fuck in because we're gonna deep dive into it big dog always a pleasure my friend always a pleasure and uh remember folks check out big dog's article weekly mlb on the pineapplecouch.com all right we'll be right back with some wandavision
All right, welcome back onto the Pineapple Couch with B Rob, episode 80. Um, we're going to be diving in now into some WandaVision, the new show on Disney Plus, or not new show, it came out about a month ago. Um, but enough episodes are out where I think we kind of understand at least a little bit of what's going on. So what I wanted to do is go through these the first five episodes, establish kind of like a baseline with everyone so we're somewhat on the same page, talk about some things that could be developing that might happen, some theories and whatnot, and then what we'll do is just each week as the there's four more episodes. So for the next month, we'll preview and break down each episode. And so what I want to do today is get us all on the same page. So let's talk about this show. This is the first show coming to Disney Plus by Marvel. Um, the Really the only show before this that was exclusively to Disney Plus was Mandalorian, right? I mean, I'm sure there might have been some other random ones that I don't know about. But basically, yeah. And what it, it's called WandaVision. So it's the two main characters are Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, and Vision from the Avengers films. And so the last time we saw them, the last time we saw Wanda was her. She almost killed Thanos, actually, in Avengers Endgame. Very, very close. And the last time we saw Vision was at the end of Avengers Infinity War when Thanos ripped the Mind Stone from his head and that killed him. So we get to episode one. Episode one, it, this whole episode, this whole TV show is kind of has like this sitcom theme. It's a little weird, but once you kind of get it, you kind of get used to it, I guess. So episode one is takes place in the 1950s in this like weird sitcom. And so we're kind of like, what the fuck's going on? We're watching Wanda and Vision in a sitcom? Why, first of all? And the other question is, I thought Vision was dead. So that's like in the first episode what we see. So they come to this town called Westview, New Jersey, and they're living their American dream, so to speak. Um, it's our introduction to the show. They, the first thing that really happens in episode one is there's a date on the calendar, and Wanda and Vision don't know why the date is highlighted. They think maybe it's an anniversary, maybe it's who knows. They have no idea. And it turns out that it's just basically a dinner party with Vision's boss and the company he works for in this weird little reality. So that night, Vision's boss and his wife, who's actually played by Deborah Jo Rupp, you would know her as Kitty from that 70s show, all-time great show. Um, they come over for dinner, and they're having um, just the usual like hijinks in those old older shows. Wanda can't, didn't know these people were coming, so she was like ready, like and dressed up all like scantily clad because she thought it was like a romantic anniversary with Vision. And quickly she realizes that it is not that; it is a dinner meeting, I guess, with his boss. So she eventually uses her magic, and she creates the perfect um, dinner for all of them when it looked like it was not going well, definitely. And the importance of this is, so at the dinner, Deborah Jo Rupp's character and um, Vision's boss's character, they start like kind of asking a bunch of questions about Wanda and Vision, like, when did you get married? How long have you been together? Where'd you come from? All this sort of stuff. And you see that Wanda and Vision don't really have the answers to these questions. And at the peak of really the uncomfortability of it the the boss of vision starts choking and at first you're like oh is he just choking on food or something and then you just kind of get this eerie feeling that it might be wanda who is causing him to do this because he was kind of upsetting her by asking all these questions and being kind of demanding and so after a weird like five to ten seconds she tells vision to like save him and vision uses his powers and does and then weirdly 
the boss and Deborah Joe up. They just leave and are like laughing. You're like, oh, thanks for a great dinner. And that is the first time in the show where you're like, what the fuck's going on? And the show ends with uh, Vision and Wanda moving the beds together. And like basically, I guess we're going to infer that they banged. So that's how episode one ends. Let's go into episode two. So at the end of episode one, though, it's important to remember that the closing scene, we see um, someone watching basically this sitcom like we are from some sort of... uh, whether it be like a headquarters, it looks like somewhere militarily official, I guess is what I would say. So we see someone is also watching basically exactly what we are of this WandaVision sitcom. And so when we go into episode two, we start to meet more characters. We did meet Agnes in episode one. I should have mentioned that, but she comes really more into play in episode two. She's played by Katherine Hahn. She's kind of like the wacky neighbor who's always around and really funny. Um, and she takes Wanda to Dottie's pool party. And Dottie is a new character, too, who we are told by Agnes that uh, Dottie is the key to everything. The key to getting your kids into the right schools and all that sort of, like, neighborhood-type shit. So um, they go to the pool party. Kind of weird, but Wanda does meet Geraldine. And Geraldine, if you notice, if you look closely, you're like, oh, if you're... I recognize that person. Where is that from? Well, that's the little girl in Captain Marvel, which took place in the 90s, who's now going to be Monica Rambeau. It's probably going to be a superhero. We're not sure. But that's her. So for some reason, she's in this weird reality, which we don't, we still don't know what is going on, folks. Um, but uh, it gets awkward between Wanda and Dottie. Eventually, Dottie basically like tells Wanda that like she thinks that she's there to do bad. Wanda assures her that that's not true. Dottie tells her she doesn't believe her. And right as this is happening, through a little radio that was playing Help Me Rhonda, made to sound like Help Me Wanda, you hear a message come through. Wanda, who is doing this to you? Something like that. And if you recognize the voice, it's it's my boy. It's Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man. Um, and so that kind of like... Wanda, I guess, kind of loses her focus or whatever. And right when that happens, Dottie's glass in her hand shatters and she starts to bleed. And the reason that's important is because everything's in black and white so far, folks. It's the first color we've seen. All right. And then while all this is going on with Wanda, we get to see Vision hanging out with the neighborhood boys, the boys club, so to speak. And so they're all hanging out. Vision calls someone a communist as a joke. I love that. Um, And eventually what really all that matters at this meeting is Vision chews on some gum, right? And you're like, why the fuck does that matter? Well, basically, because he's a robot and whatever the hell is going on in this weird alternate reality that Wanda may or may not have created, we're still not sure at this point yet, um, it made him essentially just, like, blacked out drunk. So he's all fucked up, and he has to do the magic show with Wanda, the neighborhood magic show, which is weirdly all for the children, For the children, we keep hearing that, folks, but we don't see any children. It's just Wanda and Vision, always around them, you kind of hear for the children. Maybe some foreshadowing there. Um, And basically, Drunk Vision, during the magic show, keeps, like, using his powers, and Wanda kind of just continually covers it up for him. And the weird robotic-like crowd just loves it, I guess, and they go along with it. And that's really the end of that whole escapade in episode two and the big thing that happens at the end though is that wanda gets a baby bump and color 
floods the screen as we head into the 70s in episode three. Exciting stuff. So let's go over basically what we know at this point going into episode three. We know Wanda and Vision are in some sort of weird bubble of some sort, I would say, where it is each, <laughs> they're living in a TV sitcom reality that it advances, advances basically a decade each show. And you know that someone is watching this. So we're going to get some more answers, folks. Just bear with me. Here we go. Let's go into episode three. It takes place in the 70s. And holy shit, Wanda is very, very pregnant. We find out that it's only been like a couple days and Wanda is going to basically turn a nine-month pregnancy into a four-day pregnancy. That's what's going to happen. And so basically this episode, you have the doctor come in and check on her and he's like, oh, you got a couple months and he's talking about how he's going to go on vacation and when he comes back, they'll deliver the baby. And basically in five to ten minutes, it's like, okay, she's giving birth now. So Vision runs to go get the doctor. Super speed. Why does Vision have super speed? I still don't understand why. He never had that in any of the other movies and all of a sudden he has it in the show. Side note, but just think about that. So he runs to go get the doctor. And um, basically, it doesn't even matter that he's running at super speed. It's going so fast with Wanda that Wanda eventually, Geraldine, who is Monica Rambeau, how, why we don't know why she's in here. She comes in as Wanda's friend, and she helps her deliver two children. Twins. And at the same time, Vision is trying to get the doctor to come over. And it turns out that the doctor couldn't even leave in the first place because of some weird thing that even the doctor doesn't really understand he basically says small towns you can never leave them and he didn't leave or go on his vacation so this is more and more evidence that something is definitely wrong here and these people are here against their will vision then goes back to the house they meet um the two twins and while this is happening though vision does see agnes agatha harkness the neighbor and herb 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 yeah, Herb, geez, um, who are the neighbors. And basically, it's there's some weird shit going on. Herb was cutting his, like, rose bushes or sh sh shrubs or something, and he just kept going, and he started cutting into, like, a the wall in between the houses. And it looked like he was all glitched out. So we see that first, and then later, Vision sees agnes and herb talking in front of the house quietly and weirdly and so he goes over there and is like basically what, what the fuck's going on and um herb looks like he's gonna say something to vision like tell him what is what we've all been wondering basically what is going on here and he's and he herb says because we are all blank we don't know what he says because agnes stops him from saying that why did she stop him what was he gonna say was he gonna say because we're all trapped because we're all dead I don't know. So Vision is starting to really, though, the importance of this is Vision is starting to understand, like, or not understand, or just notice, like, something is really not right here. There is, and he can't quite grasp what it is, but there are things that are going on that just don't make any sense to him, and it's starting to kind of click in his mind. And so then, um, what happens? This is fucking gnarly, folks. Strap your seatbelts in. Right after Wanda gives birth to the twins, she's talking to uh, Geraldine, who is Monica Rambeau. Still don't know why she's here. And basically, they're talking, and it brings up that um, Wanda mentions that she did have a brother. And then Geraldine, like her face kind of changes, and she goes, oh yeah, he was killed by Ultron. 
And that is the first time, really, that there's been any sort of reference to the real reality outside of whatever Wanda is in. So that's huge. And you see Wanda's face immediately shift from the happy-go-lucky 70s groovy thing to I'm very pissed off and goes, what did you just say? And um, Geraldine immediately realizes, like, oh, I fucked up. And Wanda, because she's so mad that Geraldine brings up Ultron, she basically says, like, you don't belong here and all this stuff, which actually coincides to when Vision was talking to the neighbors out front earlier. They told him that Geraldine has no home. She has no family. Why is she here? What is going on, folks? And so Wanda gets so pissed at Geraldine that she just uses her powers and chucks Geraldine the fuck out of the bubble. Like, through a couple houses, fences, and all that stuff. And there goes Geraldine. She's gone. We don't know where she's going. Vision comes back inside. He knows something's weird going on. He asks her, where's Geraldine? And Wanda said, oh, she left. With, like, kind of a sinisterness to her. And then they sit on the couch with their twins, just like in the comics, Billy and um, Tommy. And Voodoo Child plays to end the episode, which... Incredible song to end that episode, because that song is perfect with just the building sense that Wanda is up to something, or something is going on, and we do not know what that is. But folks, we're going to go to episode four now, where we're going to start to get a lot more answers. And also some more questions. Alright, episode four. A cold open here. It's going to start, the episode starts basically with Monica Rambeau coming back together after the second snap, when Tony Stark defeated Thanos and brought everyone back to life. So she's like reanimating in a hospital. And you're, we're finally seeing the moment of like the world's perspective of what happened when the Avengers did that. Not just the effects that happened to Thanos and his troops, but what happened to a place like a hospital. It was probably crazy, and we're getting those answers now. Yes, it was fucking insane what was going on in that hospital because everyone is either has no idea why the fuck people are showing up again or they're coming back and it's like they've been gone for five years and they don't know what's going on. And what we find out that's very sad is that Monica was in the reason she was in that hospital is because she was with her mother who was actually uh, Captain Marvel's best friend in the Captain Marvel movie. And we learned that she was dealing with cancer and that though she had just, last time Monica remembered, she had just had a successful surgery and it was going to be good. Well, when that happened, while that was happening, Thanos snapped. And Monica disappeared. And so she came back five years later to that hospital. And unfortunately, we have to hear the news from um, a nurse there or a doctor that her mom's cancer came back and she actually died two to three years ago while Monica was gone. And Monica's like, what do you mean? What? I was in the room. I wasn't gone. And so we're getting that perspective, folks, of how trippy and weird it was for people to be just to realize, hey, I was gone for five years. We got the perspective of how someone like Spider-Man or Doctor Strange, Star-Lord dealt with that. And keep in mind, these are superheroes. We're getting a glimpse into how fucked up this would actually be if this happened. And so... Um, very sad. Monica's mom, she died two years ago in the snap. And so we then go to the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. S.W.O.R.D., folks, it's basically the new shield, but it goes into space more. That's how I will describe it. Um, it was set up actually by Monica, Monica's mom. I think her name is Maria Rambo. And uh, 
and Samuel L. Jackson, but uh, Maria Rambeau was the one who created S.W.O.R.D., which is a sentient weapon observation and response division. And so Monica, after the trauma that we saw her go through when she came back, a couple weeks have gone by, and she heads to the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. And we meet Tyler Hayward, who is the acting director of S.W.O.R.D. now. And immediately, this guy just gives off giant douchebag vibes. Something is not right with this guy, and it's just abundantly clear. But whatever. Monica and him go into his office, and Monica's basically like, I'm ready to go. Like, what can we do? And we learn that she's, like, been to space and that sort of stuff. And, folks, really quickly, we've heard throughout the show little mentions of, like, astronauts missing in space. That's, like, 100% going to be how they bring the Fantastic Four in. If four astronauts are missing in space... That is the Fantastic Four. So look for that over the next year or two. They're going to keep layering in hints about the Fantastic Four coming. Um, but where were we? We we're talking about Sword or Sword, excuse me. So basically, Tyler Hayward, the acting director, tells Monica, like, "Hey, you just came back from being snapped. We have a rule. Like, you're grounded for a while. Not grounded like you have to stay in your room, but no space missions for you. We're going to ease you back into this." Monica gets really annoyed about this, and then Tyler Hayward tells her, hey, this was your mom's rule, which kind of puts it into perspective, and so Monica kind of just goes with it, I guess. And so then Tyler Hayward proceeds to send her to a, to help the CIA or FBI, is it? I think he's Jimmy Woo's FBI. Thank you, Marley. Um, and he, she's sent to uh, New Jersey to help him with a missing persons case because uh, they wanted to use... Um, a drone that S.W.O.R.D. had because it was high-tech technology. All right. And Jimmy Woo is a great character. So that's, this is going to be great, folks. So Monica pulls up to Westview, and we see Jimmy Woo, the guy. He does a magic trick that he learned in Ant-Man 2. Uh, flashback to that. Um, and Monica goes up to him and basically is like, what's the deal? And um, Jimmy Woo takes her to the cops that are sitting there and she go and he goes like hey what what's the deal with like Westview New Jersey and these two cops say it doesn't exist and keep in mind behind them we see it folks we see this town it's right there so either someone has put a spell on these police officers so they have no idea like that it's there but they're also not in the in the town so we don't really know it's so confusing folks at that point but bear with me we're going to figure this out i promise um and so basically the police officers are like yeah we have whatever you're talking about it doesn't exist there's no westview so immediately monica and um jimmy woo are like this isn't a missing persons case this is a missing town case and keep in mind though that the something we do not know yet is who this missing person though was that started all of this off and so the police officers leave and it's just Monica and Jimmy Woo and they decide like, hey, let's send in, let's fly a, a little drone into that town and we'll check it out. And basically they fly the drone towards the town and then it, boom, disappears. And they're like, what the fuck? And so like any normal person would do, Monica Rambeau walks up to closer to the town and she sees this like basically energy bubble like a shield around the town. So things are starting to click in our head, folks. What's going on here? And she touches it and sees it's all weird. And then she proceeds to go into it and it sucks her in to that bubble. So there is the answer to a couple questions here, folks. What is going on? There, Wanda is in some sort of bubble here. 
We don't know who's creating it or why, but that is what's happening. And now we know why Geraldine was in that bubble because she got sucked into it when she was investigating it. And what is weird, though, she basically, like, when she gets pulled into it, she gets pulled into it with, like, 70s clothes. Like, her, whatever she, her, like, sword officer um, uniform is changed into 70s clothes. So there's just some weird shit going on here, folks. And so now that everything has really hit the fan, and um, Monica obviously gets sucked in, Jimmy Woo calls in the backup. So we get FBI. We get, I'm pretty sure we get the military. We get the, we get the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines. You got the, the CIA. Every single organization possible now is setting up, like, basically, like, tents and like barriers around this bubble to try and figure out what the hell is going on here and um some cool things happen though in this we get Darcy she shows up she was from the Thor movies and she is sent there to help out and she's actually incredibly valuable because she is the one who discovers this broadcast feed so she finds so this like bubble I guess is putting out a broadcast signal and she taps into it, and so she pulls like she pulls up on her screen, WandaVision, the show, like exactly what we're watching. So that answers the question we had earlier on of who was watching the show at the end of the first and second episode. Who was that? Well, it was Darcy and Sword. So they're finally learning some stuff. But the thing is, folks, I think Jimmy Woo says this. He goes, so the Avengers are in a sitcom? It's weird. Like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and so as they uh, are trying to figure figure out what the hell is going on, they send in like a guy in like a hazmat suit through the sewers to see if he can get into the bubble that way. And he turns into a beekeeper, not like, like his all his clothes change. And then when he goes into the bubble, um, Wanda sees him, says no, and it basically like glitches out and he disappears. So Wanda... Right now, it seems like she is the one in control. We don't know if there's anyone helping her, but definitely she is the one in control. And this is confirmed by, at the end of this episode, we see what happened after Monica was thrown out of this bubble by Wanda. We see her explode through the bubble onto the other side in 70s clothing and is pretty shaken by what just happened. And so all the the military, the sword didn't run, run out to see if she's okay. And the episode ends with her saying, it's all Wanda. It's all Wanda. So, the end of episode four, we're like, so Wanda has, like, basically, folks, so Wanda has created an alternate reality where she has vision back to life somehow, and she's living in a sitcom where there's no problems, and she doesn't want to be bothered. There's so many questions here, but at least we're start starting to get some answers with episode four. Let's talk about episode five. So I'm just going to go through the events of what happened in episode five, and then we'll take a deep breath, and we'll basically try to figure out what we can gather, what we know, before episode six comes out this Thursday night at midnight. Welcome to the 80s and 90s, because that's where these episodes are going to be taking place in the sitcom reality that Wanda's in, but this episode is going to be a mix of the sitcom perspective and the sword perspective. So it starts with Vision and Wanda trying to get their babies to fall asleep. In classic kind of like sitcom-y fashion, um, they can't. They try binkies. It doesn't work. Wanda actually tries to use magic to get them to stop crying, which is kind of sus, and it does not work. Um, and then Agnes shows up, 
like always. And I haven't mentioned this as much throughout these last four episodes, but we need what you guys need to understand about Agnes is Agnes is the neighbor who literally has shown up every episode whenever Wanda needs anything. It's like Wanda's having when the people came over in the first episode for dinner. Agnes showed up with food for her to cook at the last second. And the list goes on and on. She's just kind of like always there for Wanda. And Vision is starting to notice this and be like, what the hell is going on here? How does she know to come into our house whenever we need something? And it, so it's weird. But she comes in and she um, tries to help uh, get the kids to go to sleep. She sprays some like lavender on them or whatever. And um, then uh, she goes to get something from the kitchen. And Vision and Wanda hear no crying. So they're like, oh, sweet. It worked. And they go to the cribs and they're not there. And so it's like, where are the kids? Well, Vision and Wanda turn around and the babies are now five-year-olds. I'm not, that is what happened, folks. I, I don't know how to make that sound realistic, but boom, the babies are now five-year-olds and Vision and Wanda are like, holy shit, we're dealing with that now. Um, Agnes then says, kids, you can't control them and laughs. Um, and which is interesting because throughout these episodes, we've really gotten like Wanda can control pretty much everything that's going on in this reality. And it seems like she can't control her kids, though. And the other thing that I mean, I'm sure all of you are thinking are, or is how did a robot who is dead, at least what we think, and a mutant have kids? I don't have answers for you. I don't know how that happened. But um, maybe it's some sort of mind shit that Wanda's, like, manifested them. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, and so the episode goes on. The kids get a dog. And um, with Vision says, oh, you can't keep the, you can't have a dog until you're 10. So, boom, the kids age another five years. Now they're at the age of 10. So it's starting to get alarming. These kids are incredibly powerful. Um, and importantly, so when the kids get a dog, guess who shows up with a dog house and all that stuff? It's Agnes. And Wanda makes a dog collar for the dog with magic right in front of Agnes, which Vision is like, what? We're not supposed to do that, Wanda. That's not what we agreed. We're not making using magic in front of people. What? We can't use our powers. Think about the talent show that or the magic show that happened in like episode two when Vision was using his powers, how Wanda was covering it up and it was a big deal. They just wanted to fit in. And Wanda basically says, oh, she doesn't care anymore. Like, I, I don't want to hide. I, I want to be myself. So a drastic change, folks, from the mindset of Wanda in the first and second episode. Um, and so Vision is not happy. This has been building over episodes. He does not know what is going on. And he heads into work, and he's talking to our good buddy Norm, setting up computers. And he gets, like, on the computers they're setting up, an email pops up from uh, Darcy, from the Thor, who's, like, working on the, for S.W.O.R.D. on the outside of all this, and Vision sees this email that basically is, like, talking about the Maximov effect, or Maximov incident, which is Wanda's last name, and he's incredibly confused, and so he uses his powers, I guess, to hold Norm's head, which allows him to, like, break him from whatever spell he is in in this bubble that he's maybe put under by Wanda, Agnes, I don't know, and Norm says that Vision needs to help him that he's stuck here. He wants to go see his family and he's in pain. So our theories or questions of like is are all these people here like being held captive? Yes, they are. From at least Norm is that's what he says. And so from there, 
we go back to the sword perspective, and they send in a drone, an 80s drone, so it doesn't change when it goes through that barrier, and they use it, and they find Wanda. And they zoom in on Wanda, and you see her eyes start to get all red and crazy. And then without um, Monica Rambeau's, like, approval, Tyler Hayward, the director of S.W.O.R.D., actually put a missile on that drone and tries to take out Wanda. As soon as the drone takes a shot, the camera goes black, and then we hear these uh, sirens that someone has broken out of the bubble. And so all sorts of, like, S.W.O.R.D. and military agents, Monica, Tyler Hayward, they all run out there. And Wanda comes out through the bubble. We see her go through the bubble. She's no longer looking like she's in her 80s, 90s clothes. She looks like the Scarlet Witch, like the uh, the outfit she wore in Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. And she chucks the drone at Tyler Hayward, basically tells him to fuck off. Don't leave. Don't come in the bubble. Leave her alone. This is the only warning you're going to get. Uh, Monica tries to appeal to Wanda. Wanda does not listen, it seems, at all. And to mess with Tyler Hayward at the end, she points all the guns right at him and then leaves with her, like, mind powers. Which, side note, is a great, great little Easter egg or just a reference to Magneto, her father in the comic books, who hopefully we'll be seeing in the MCU sometimes. Because that was the Magneto's most badass move is when people would come up with him with guns and he would just control the guns to basically take over. Um, So, yeah. So, that happens that's huge Wanda leaving the bubble folks that's giant so at the end of the episode we get a moment that we've really all been waiting for it's been building the vision versus Wanda because vision has been getting more and more skeptical um angry confused at Wanda because he's just starting to realize that something doesn't make sense here and Wanda is just refusing to acknowledge it um and so they start to argue Wanda tries to she uses her magic to have like the end credits roll over them to try to end the sitcom vision does not allow it he is yelling at wanda he says he doesn't remember anything before this he he clearly has no idea why they're here what's outside of westview his mind has been wiped essentially and all he knows is this and it's driving him insane and we it seems like it's going to build to some sort of fight when they both levitate cooler heads prevail when there's a knock at the door. So the Vision, Wanda standoff, we're eventually definitely going to see that, folks, but that is put on pause because a knock on the door, and it's like a big moment. You're like, who is this? It's a lot of suspense is built, and who is at the door? Well, it is Quicksilver. Not Wanda, I guess Wanda's brother, but not the one you're thinking of from the MCU who died in Age of Ultron. It's actually Evan Peters, the guy who played Quicksilver for the Fox X-Men series which I actually thought, like, obviously the Marvel movies are better than all those, but the Quicksilver in that was fantastic. And so Wanda, you can see, is a little thrown off of, like, what the heck? This isn't my, this is a, what? And so she kind of just goes with it, that that's her brother at the end, and that's how the episode ends, which obviously leads us to so many questions, folks, because is the multiverse crashing together because of what Wanda's doing? How is a character from the X-Men here? Does this mean they're going to bring more X-Men from like this? Like, are we going to get Michael Fassbender's Magneto brought into the MCU? I mean, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine? Is this how Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man might make get to make an appearance? There are so many questions here, folks. So that appearance by Evan Peters Quicksilver at the end is insane because now it's like the Marvel Universe, they own everything. How are they, are they just going to bring in like the best parts of the X-Men and then recast the others? 
a lot of questions. So that is episodes one through five. And to end it, I just kind of want to go through a who, what, when, where, why of just all the things we just talked about so we can maybe end with some sort of clarity at least and we'll get ready for the next episode. The who's, we got Wanda Maximoff, obviously. We have The Vision. We have Agnes, who is the neighbor. Um, and a little nugget about Agnes. Um, in the comic books, in a story kind of similar to what we have here, the babysitter of Wanda's kids is a witch named Agatha Harkness, who has a lot of ties to Mephisto, who's basically the devil of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have been speculating, as many others have, that Agnes is Agatha Harkness. They just kind of combine the names. And so she could be a witch that maybe has something to do with the bigger overall plot. Maybe it's not just Wanda who's creating all this. So that's something to think about. We got Agent Jimmy Woo who's back. We got Darcy Lewis who's back from the Thor um, movies. We got Tyler Hayward who's the new director of S.W.O.R.D. Seems like a douchebag and we don't trust him. We got Monica Rambeau who was sucked into the reality and thrown back out. Uh, just food for thought. Um, in the comic books, Monica Rambeau is actually a superhero called Photon. And this theoretically could be how she gets her powers, being thrown through that big hex energy shield that Wanda created. Um, and then we have Billy and Tommy, the twins that um, Wanda gives birth to in the little bubble. And in the comic books, those the twins are actually Billy and Tommy. So they're called Quicken and Speed. So it's basically um, one super fast and the other one can do magic like Wanda. And those two, Wanda's kids, actually are in like the Young Avengers, which they might be building towards in the MCU because you have um, Shuri, you got a young Peter Parker, you've got uh, the Cassie Lang, Ant-Man's daughter, and um, I'm forgetting, you have Miss Marvel who's going to be introduced. you got a lot of younger characters, so maybe Billy and Tommy might be a, a part of some sort of Young Avengers type thing that's been rumored. Um, and then obviously at the end you have Quicksilver, who is from the Fox X-Men universe, who shows up, where we talked about that a little. His arrival just opens so many questions of what the future of the MCU will be like. How can they bring in all these different characters? Are they going to bring in characters that were already used and their stories were told, like, like Evan Peters, how he was in that movie? Or are they going to do a whole new thing with a new character? A lot of questions there. The next thing I want to talk about is when did this happen? So basically, all the events that we're watching right now in WandaVision take place two weeks after Tony Stark's funeral at the end of Avengers Endgame. So this is like right after Endgame. And that's actually, keep in mind, that's eight months before Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home is the one where he fights Mysterio that came out right after Endgame. That happens like basically eight to ten months after Avengers Endgame. WandaVision takes place in between those two, right after Endgame. And what's important to know is so Wanda had only been back for what a couple days because she was snapped and right before she was snapped she basically had to kill Vision and then watch Thanos kill him again and then she disappeared for five years and now is back so you got to think like she's going through a lot of like trauma and like crazy stuff right now with everything that's going on it's so fresh in her mind that this Westview, New Jersey, where it's taking place, it could be a result of just like a giant panic like attack or mental breakdown by Wanda, which is her powers are so crazy. So it created this 
insane thing. And oh, I forgot to mention this, folks. This is huge. We do see in episode five a shot, some video footage of Wanda breaking into the sword facility and getting Vision's body, which was kind of dissembled and looked like people were working on him. So that could be another reason of why Wanda is so pissed at S.W.O.R.D. Because maybe they were doing something like creating a new Ultron with Vision or making a bad Vision. I know, because Vision didn't want to be fucked with. That was in his will. It's weird that a robot had a will, but here we are. Um, So what could have happened, basically, is right after Endgame, um, the Scarlet Witch, Wanda, could have gone straight to the S.W.O.R.D. facility, broke in, got Vision's body, and then left with it, and then been so sad that it wasn't together that she has this basically mental breakdown and creates this reality where vision at least looks like he's back and if you guys remember that shot in i believe episode three episode two or three where wanda looks at vision and he's dead he's all gray there's a hole in his head so maybe that's what he actually looks like and wanda though with her reality manipulating magic is making him look like normal vision when reality maybe he just actually looks like how he did at the end of endgame when he was killed i don't know but that's big. A um, couple other questions to end it off before we go. Um, who do we think would the big bad be here? Is it going to be Wanda? Like it's kind of been hinting at. Is it going to be Agnes? Or is it someone Agnes is working for behind the scenes that we don't really know what's going on? Is it Tyler Hayward, the guy from S.W.O.R.D.? Maybe he was doing some really fuck shit when they had Vision's body. We're five episodes in, and it's just, I think they're trying to make us think that Wanda is the big bad, and then she's going to go into Doctor Strange and be a big, or kind of a, not a big bad, but not a good guy in that movie for a part of it, and Doctor Strange is going to have to get her back to reality. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of possibilities who the big bad would be. Right now, I would guess that it is something a combination of agnes and someone who's in charge of agnes i'm gonna still go mephisto the devil of the marvel universe is kind of involved in this we will see um and then the last question and keep in mind guys send in any questions you have send in any theories i'd love to talk about this because i love talking about this stuff and we're gonna have a good friend of the program peter gonzalez on later this week to recap episode six but last question for you all to think about is vision gonna stay alive So after all of this, we presume that the bubble will go away and this is not going to be on for forever. Is Vision going to survive this or when the bubble goes away, is he just dead? I think he's going to survive it somehow, but I don't think, I think we might get like a gray Vision who doesn't have like any personality because that's kind of like, I don't know, that could be it where he doesn't have his memories. I don't know. Or do you think he's just going to die again right when the bubble disappears or they solve this? There are so many questions here, folks. So thank you for bearing with me. This is the first time we've done this on WandaVision. So I promise I'll get better as we go through it. Um, Please send in any questions you have, any feedback about this. Because episode 6 is coming out this Thursday night. um, And I can't wait. And we'll definitely be talking about it. So thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, Enjoy this week's episode. And I'll talk to you next time. This has been Pineapple Couch with B-Rub.